This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the future of supply chain. We are here with none other than Gary Allen, the a vice president of supply chain excellence at Ryder. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you, Mary. Glad to be here. I am really excited about this. We're going to get into something that's kind of on everybody's mind, that whole cost versus service model and, you know, how to make sure that you're getting that good service without, you know, underpaying, overpaying and not charging your customer too much. But before we dive into that, why don't we get some background on you and how you got started at Ryder? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, yeah, I've been at Ryder for about 10 years. I started my career a long time ago. <laughs> I'm not telling you when, but I, I've been around for a little while, Mary. Um, no, I started in operations. I started with the division of roadway. And that was back in 1989. But I've been in the 3PL industry my entire career. Left Roadway uh, after it became FedEx. And then I went to DHL and then over to Ryder. You kind of just made the rounds. Yeah, everybody. I got around. I got around. And then you just found the right Well, fit. there was a common theme. Every company I was at got purchased. They got acquired. So things kind of changed. So anywhere you went, you just kind of, it was a signal that like, well going to get bought. That's right. Watch out, Ryder. Not Ryder. No. <laughs> that was part of the deal. I told uh, our CEO, I'm like, you know, if I come on board, just don't sell. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm tired of going through this. That's I right. can't do it anymore. That's right. Yep. So one of the things in that service part of the cost for service we were talking about is, um, you know, it's that it's the service of making sure that you get your products to your customer and mm -hmm. that you're able to provide them like like we saw during the pandemic, there was no toilet paper, no baby formula. Every other day we were out, have a shortage of something. Um, but then also those retailers and those manufacturers have to balance the cost of the inventory. So up yeah. until the pandemic, everyone was doing that just-in-time inventory. Mm -hmm. It was really lean, really nice, didn't really hurt the books that much. Um, but now it's a little trickier. So kind of how do you, how have you seen the just-in-time model kind of morph into the Okay, it's getting there, and that just in case, and yeah. oh, what do we mm -hmm. have now? Yeah, what I, what I'd say is just you know, if you look back, I mean, the last three years have been crazy. I mean, with that pandemic, to your point, source of supply got jammed up, the ports got jammed up, and then the the, the floodgates opened, demand kind of skyrocketed, right? So now then now you got inflation, costs are going up, so it's a challenge. We have to pass the cost back to our customers. So ultimately, you and I will pay for it. Um, but now we also have a downturn in the freight industry, recession may be coming up. So really what it does is places the importance on how you manage the supply chain related to inventory. I don't know if I'd call it just in time. I, I, I think the companies that manage their supply chain well do a few different things. The first is they have visibility and control. So they know where their assets are further upstream back into source of supply all the way to manufacturing and even to the consumer. So it starts with visibility. The second thing is there's a lot of new technologies. You know, you have to look at scenario planning for disruptions called contingency planning, simulation, and then even leading up to like uh, technologies like digital twin. And then the last couple of things, customers and shippers are looking at different sources of supply, right? So they're looking at alternatives and even near shorings popping up. 
And then the last thing is just, you got to get better at planning, you know, and, and most it's tough. It's like every forecast is wrong, but you have to plan better. So one of the things I always said is that um, IT and logistics, the reason they're always sat next to each other is they're like the redheaded stepchild of every organization. And um, they never really get that, like that, that, the attention that they deserve and everything like that. Um, but now suddenly everybody is, uh, everybody at a bar is a supply chain expert and they know the reason that the, that all those boats are stuck out there and everybody knows everything. And they're like, I had no idea that this supply chain and logistics and transportation was so complex. And everybody that's been in the industry is like, no, this yeah. is, this is actually what we've been dealing with for years. Welcome, welcome to the conversation. I know. Get with the ages. I mean, when I started, we didn't call it supply chain, right? I mean, we, we called it logistics, but actually I went to Michigan State University and the program wasn't called supply chain. It was called materials logistics management, right? So the, the industry's evolved. I think it's a cool time to be in supply chain. That's for sure. Oh, a hundred percent. Even, um, a couple years ago, uh, the, or not a couple years ago, about, I guess, 15 years ago now, um, when I was graduating college, they had, um, they had just announced a supply chain program. And I was like, what is that? Mm -hmm. Um, little did I know that it was going to become my future. Um, but I guess kind of jumping back into the service mm -hmm. model, um, how, and like the cost part, how do you, like, we have rising costs, we have inflation, we have the cost of labor. What is kind of that, how do you balance those labor costs and those expectations while still providing that strong service to your customers? Yeah, it's it, it's a balancing act, you know, and <laughs> really that, that's is. for sure. I mean, if you look at, you know, the cost of labor, you know, we we paid our hourly folks in the warehouse $15 not too long ago, and now it's like $25. Um, so certainly costs are going up across all segments. I think it really comes down to a function of how do you balance that? What other, you know, factors can you look at that drives value, right? Because it's not just cost. I mean, the costs aren't going away. It's going to continue to go up for a little while. But can you look at, you know, throughput, productivity, cost to serve? You know, there's different elements to look at across the supply chain. And for us at Ryder, I mean, obviously we run warehouses and, and, a, and a lot of trucks in the outsourcing side of it. But we try to work with our customers to go further upstream and downstream in their supply chain. So we have a, a pretty large customer in the healthcare industry called BJC. And the one thing that we're doing, which is all around continuous improvement, is doing value stream mapping across their supply chain, not just within the warehouse we run, but looking at source of supply and then how that inventory gets all the way to a hospital room. I like that because, you know, everybody that is a logistics service provider or does anything, they all have those same costs that they're dealing with. They're all going back to their customers saying, like, hey, I need to take an increase bigger than I thought. We're seeing double digit increases most times. But if that customer is like, oh, I'm going to leave and go find someone that's cheaper. Well, they're going to get hit with the same increases eventually. That's right. But it, I think it really comes down to that value add that you can provide to your customer and say, yeah, our costs have gone up, gone up, but you know we saved you this much. We've improved efficiency this much. You have been able to double your business and not necessarily have to hire right. that many extra people. So I think that yeah. that's really where that partnership comes in. Exactly. Yep. And um, you kind of just are like, no, we're we're actually a true partner. We care about the success of your no, business because your success key. is our success. That's the key. I mean, you, you got to put your customer hat on. But you only can do so much, right? I mean, if you look at it, you know, trucking and warehousing is just one segment. So, yeah, you have to work with your customer and truly be collaborative. Yeah. 
Yeah. So as we kind of um, get to this new this new normal that we have, where we're not having insane volumes all the time, we're kind of returning back to our 2019 levels. Um, what are some of the things that you see in the future? Do you see, you know, make a make a long call shot here? What do you kind of see happening the rest of the year? Do you see it ramping up, getting crazy? Uh, what are your hot predictions for um, the 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 next few months in supply chain? Wow, that's a big question. The future of supply chain, huh? What is how about AI? There we go. Everything's AI <laughs> now. AI AI's been around. Chat GPT's going to take over. Got to say that, right? No, I think it's continuing to get better. I, I think the technology, you know, the cool thing in what we do is the technology has evolved so quickly. And a lot of the companies here, you know, is a testament to that. But if I look at the technology that was around 10 years ago, we didn't have that many options, right? I mean, we had some, the you know, TMS, WMS, but if you look at the advancements in a couple areas, it's around automation, and the use of analytics. I mean, because data analytics is, you know, part of AI and it's kind of the journey. So I don't see that slowing down. And really it's transforming your company to focus on data first. So if we look at how we do continuous improvement, it used to be you go out, you do like a gamble walk, you know, lean CI method. And so now we're using data to drive what we work on, right? So we're looking at the data, we're looking at flaws, changes, variances, to then trigger an activity. So I think data analytics um, and then certainly evolving, you know, into AI as part of it. Um, but I also think the advancement in, in automation. If you, if you look at the advancements in the warehouse, I mean, you know, autonomous mobile robots weren't really around 20 years ago. You know, Amazon kind of started with Kiva. But now if I look at it, it's really a commodity. Yeah. And the secret sauce is the data, how you integrate and you know the software wrapped around it i think that data part is so important because yes we have all these fantastic software companies out here they do harness that data and you can have the best data mining tool you can have all these great tools at your disposal but until you have someone that takes that data output and analyzes it and makes an actionable plan on it you uh, you just have a very nice and expensive way to collect information yeah data is not easy Oh. You know, if you, if you look at <clears throat> uh, part of my my team, I, I have a data analytics team. So I got about 70 people and it's a journey. Yeah. It's a journey because like every company is different. Every company's got 20 different WMSs, TMSs. The accuracy of the underlying data is a huge issue. Oh, absolutely. Because then you want to make sure that it's flowing correctly and reporting everything. Um, but I'm actually really excited for the future of automation. I read the other day that there is a refrigerated warehouse that has no human employees or they have like one I Lights think that's out. just yeah. there yeah. and all the everything is fulfilled and loaded by just robots and I was like that's creepy but very fascinating because yeah. you know it's hard enough to find someone to work in a warehouse let alone one that's 30 degrees right so yeah I mean the, the yeah lights out warehousing is a thing I mean Amazon's got a few. I mean, if you, if you think about warehouse automation, it really depends on your business, right? I mean, if, you, if you're doing CPG and food, <clears throat> you know, the automation is, is more around full pallets in and out. If you're doing e-commerce and retail, it's each picks. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the concept really is it, you got to look at, <clears throat> you know, the, the type of business you manage today, the profile of that business to make sure you apply the right technology. And yeah, eventually it's going to get the lights out, but there's some processes that 
are going to be really hard to automate. Yeah. And in the end of the day, you still need people. It might not right. be the same type of people, but it's really changing the way of skill sets. You know, we talked about the data, knowing automation. Um, so we're going to see that continue in the future. I kind of see it kind of uh, my hot prediction for warehouse automation is that it takes some um, it has like a slow kind of ramp up where, you know, you might have automation in the yard. You might have some of those autonomous yard jockeys mm -hmm. pulling trailers um, and then having the actual human capital working and doing things that's much harder to automate that's right. or things that you need the people to do. Because also warehouse staffing is notoriously very difficult. And so if you're able to get more daytime staff, well, I'm not going to waste my staff driving around when I can have something bring it around and That's it's right. in a closed environment so you don't have that much autonomous yeah. risk. <clears throat> That's right. Yep. So I'm really excited for that. That's that's my hot take into the, the near future of warehousing. Yeah, yeah it's not going to slow down. I mean, the other thing is keeping an eye on what's out there. I, I think, you know, my automation team, we, we looked at about 250 different technologies in the last two years. Uh, within Rider, we have about 20% of our facilities have some form of automation, uh, but it's not going to slow down. No, right? I feel like at this point, if you don't have um, some sort of automation or tech enablement or something like that, you're like at the back of the pack. You're not really keeping with that industry standard. That's right. Yeah. Um, so I guess the hot question is, um, what's your favorite thing you've seen so far today? Oh, this, or well, the past two days? Yeah, you know, it's the people. I mean, all the sessions are good, but it's 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 networking with people. I mean, there's different software companies here that we already work with. I think the presentations have been fantastic, you know, and the breakouts are are wonderful. I mean, like selfishly, I think the presentations are wonderful oh, as well. Oh, it's the best part. <laughs> it's definitely the best part. <laughs> all right, so if anyone here wants to um, reach out to you about warehouse automation or if they have any writer questions or, you know, just want to chit-chat with you, where can they find you um, outside of here? On a golf course. All right. Any any specific <laughs> golf course in America? No, I'll I'll play pretty much any course. In particular, I like Pebble Beach, but it's really super expensive. So got it. So if yeah. anyone wants to, uh, do you know, court you to Pebble Beach, you're more than I'm happy. In. I'm in. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess everyone can find you at the writer booth or probably yep. on LinkedIn. You got it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Mary. Appreciate it.